welcome to the Canby Report mayoral interview series. This is a cut of our 50-minute conversation with Ken Sim of the Nonpartisan Association. To get access to this full interview, as well as full interviews with the other mayoral candidates, become a supporter on Patreon at patreon.com slash Report. Today we are sitting down with Ken Sim of the Nonpartisan Association. Ken, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. We are joined today by myself, of course, Matthew Naylor, and... I'm Ian Bushfield. So Ken... Before we get into all the policy and why you're running, maybe just give listeners a bit of a sense of who you are. You were born here in Vancouver, correct? I was. My parents immigrated here in 1967. I I was born in 1970 at the old St. Vincent's Hospital. I was one of five kids. And we bounced around the city. Like most uh, people today, we were renters. And so I went to a bunch of different elementary schools across the city because we were looking for different places to rent. Um, and you know, things settled down. I finally ended up in uh, South Vancouver. I went to Churchill and then McGee for a year. That's a, that's a long story. Um, yeah, I went to the Sauter School of Business, became a chartered accountant, a, a banker, traveled around the world and, uh, you know, came back home. My wife became pregnant. So your political resume is not as long as some of the other folks who have entered their uh, name in the race for mayor, but you managed to come in and defeat John Cooper and Glenn Chernin and end up as the leader of Vancouver's oldest political institution. Why run with the MPA? Uh, I'm running for the MPA because they represent a lot of the values that I believe in. Uh, They are nonpartisan. They're fiscally responsible. uh, But what was important to me is they're also very socially progressive. And that's who I am. Um, you know, if you go back into my history, I was mentored by a guy by the name of Milton Wong and he received, what is it called? The the Freedom of Vancouver, uh, award, uh, for being a very socially responsible philanthropist. Um, you know, he was a nation builder and he mentored me for, you know, almost two decades. Also from where I come from, you know, like, like you mentioned earlier, we were, you know, an immigrant family and there were challenges. And so I, I'm acutely aware of all the struggles that people go through. Um, and so for me, running with a party that was socially progressive was a big deal. And you can actually see it. Um, I'm jumping the, the gun a little bit here, but the, the, the candidates we have for council, for parks board and school board, they really represent the city. We have people from all walks of life from across the city um, it's incredibly progressive. We have more women than men running for council. We have a bus driver running <laughs> for parks. You know, you know, he's pretty left wing, uh, but guess what? It doesn't matter in our party. It's nonpartisan. He's a great guy. And I was hanging out with all the Coast Mountain bus drivers the other day. It, it was great. You know, it, it really re- represents the whole city. And that's, that's why I joined the nonpartisan group uh, so association. It, you mentioned not playing politics. And one of the challenges I think the NPA has had in this spring session, you might just disagree that it was a challenge, but one of the perceived challenges has been internal fighting and struggling. We saw, for example, Hector Bremner break off and start his own party. We saw now more recently Glenn Chernin go and join Coalition Vancouver. What can you sort of comment on these rumors of infighting and the struggles that seem to have plagued the NPA over the last year? Yeah. So... At the end of the day, 
before I won the nomination, I was just another candidate running for the, the nomination. So I actually had nothing to do with the party, but for the fact that I was a candidate. After I become effectively the leader of the NPA. And so I can talk about the look and feel of the NPA now or since I've, I've been involved. And for me, it was important that we actually had a diverse group of individuals that fully reflected every corner of the city from a socioeconomic perspective, from a lifestyle perspective, from an ethnicity perspective, from a sexual orientation perspective for, a, you know, a diverse uh, backgrounds, what they do for a living, and we've achieved that. And so I'm really excited about what the MPA looks like um, now that I'm leader. As it relates to other individuals who didn't win the nomination or didn't get through the green light process, I can't really talk about you know their objectives. I can talk about I've met not only the candidates, but candidates running for other parties, and they're all nice people. You know, I, I don't have a bad thing to say uh, about any of the individuals. So are you saying that your campaign won't run some of the negative campaigns that we've seen from the NPA in the past? No, not at all. That's not my style. I don't believe in negative ads whatsoever. We're going to focus on our campaign and what we do. We're not even going to, you know, where we may debate some of the ideas of the different parties. Let's get real here. The other parties are going to have some great ideas that actually make a lot of sense. And let's celebrate that. It's no different than, you know, running a business. Um, they're going to be great ideas. I think the challenge isn't in the ideas, whether or not they're good or bad. It's, it's my experience. It's always in the execution, actually making those ideas come to life. Ideas are easy. We have a lot of them. You said that running the city is a little like running a business or a lot like running a business. How is that the case? Well, at the end of the day, um, the city of Vancouver has a lot of challenges that we need to address, and it's going to get addressed through people. It doesn't matter what we do in any organization. I know people label businesses for some reason as different than any other organization, but there's no different between difference between uh, a, a for-profit business, a not-for-profit business, or a government organization, because I've actually audited uh uh, city government when I was an auditor. I've sat on not-for-profit boards and I also run a couple of businesses and I sit on boards. And so when you look at the mayor and council, you hit the nail on the head. Basically, we have 11 people that effectively run. The, the, the complete uh, uh, parallel is a board of directors. You have a, a chairperson and a board of directors in a company. At City Hall, you have a mayor and you have councillors. And it's it's the responsibility of the mayor and the councillors to set the strategic direction of the city and to hire the best possible city manager, you know, and we, we you know, could have a great city manager in place. The next thing is, what do we do to support the city manager? Um, you know, and in a perfect world, just like a, a company, what you do is you, you, you make sure that you have the best city manager in place and you support them. And in times of, you know, in challenging times, the, the chair and the board of directors, they actually roll up their sleeves and they get in and they figure out what's going on and they help out. That's basically it. And then when it comes to uh, the city, look, the city has a lot of challenges right now. And if you talk to people there, you'll realize we actually have phenomenal people working at the city. We really do. 
they are working in a broken system. And so what we need to do is we need to help our people. We need to support our people and help them fix the system. There's nothing different between that or the same challenges we have in a business. So I guess we wouldn't see a massive staff shakeup under no. an MPA administration, more yeah. of a like fix the system, as you're saying. Absolutely. And so I, I'm very consistent in our businesses as well. Um, there is a battle for talent right now, and we have great talent at the city. So it would be crazy to clean house there. And that's not how I operate. That's I, I would never operate that way. We need to support our people. We need to provide them with the tools that they need. And that's what we're going to do. Well, one of the things that the NPA has run across in the last couple of, of elections, or run against rather, is uh, bike lanes. And so I was wondering, are, if we, are we going to be seeing another traditional NPA anti-cycling campaign? Or is that something you're going to leave to Wei Young and Coalition Vancouver? That's great. So, you know, I, I'm going to uh, stress the fact that regardless of what the NPA did, the NPA takes on the flavor of whoever the mayoral candidate is. And so that's me. And so uh, full disclosure, I am a cyclist. Um, I also drive a car. I also walk around the city. I take the Canada line and I use uh, car sharing. What's important to note is whoever becomes mayor, they will inherit an infrastructure, which includes bike lanes. Um, there are two bike lanes that I have a, a bit of a challenge with. Uh, one's in front of the hospital, but that's a public safety issue. The other one I'm confused about is the one on the Canby Street Bridge. Um, when you look at the, uh, the, the east sidewalk on the Canby Street Bridge, it is wider than most um, pedestrian cyclist paths in Southern California along the beaches where there's a high volume of cyclists and pedestrians that work. But let's be very clear about this. There will be absolutely no war on bike lanes. Um, the bigger issue here is congestion. And so we are going to be commissioning uh, an independent review on congestion in this city and it won't be based on ideology so you will not have a pro bike lane person on there you won't have a pro taxi industry uh, individual on there either and everything in between we're just looking at what actually affects congestion in our city one thing i've learned during this process um, and i was shocked but it's true i validated the point did you know the number of cars in vancouver has not increased in the last 20 years I could believe that. Yeah, I, I didn't believe it. And it's I, like the city of Vancouver or city, metro. City of Vancouver. And so when you, but congestion has increased, um, you know, bikes have helped it and, uh, you know, hurt it at the same time. But there are other things. There are so many other things that affect congestion. Left-hand turns, people stopping in the middle of the inter intersection trying to make a yellow light, people not stopping for the do not walk sign um, that, backs up traffic are roads being closed for construction but then you don't see construction on the roads for you know uh three four months uh pedestrian controlled lights you go down cami street what's changed over the last 20 years is there's a pedestrian controlled light at every single intersection between king edward um all the way down to the bridge effectively um you know the list goes on and on so i just want to deal with congestion well one of the things that can drive congestion is people living out in those suburbs. And one way to, I guess, fix that would be to build more housing in Vancouver. What kind of approach would you be taking to expanding or maybe densifying the city of Vancouver? Yeah, that's a great question. So there's there's a few things. Um, first of all, we I like to talk about smart density. And so 
what we would do is we're actually going to have consultation, real consultation processes where we actually talk to residents of all of our neighborhoods across the city. And then we'll ask them for input as part of a citywide plan as to how they would like to see their communities developed. And then we would densify accordingly. And so there will be some places where you won't see a lot of density and then there will be other places, literally maybe four blocks down the road in the same neighborhood where you will, where the residents uh, support density. Um, so th that's one of the things we'll be doing. Um, you know, we're getting a little bit ahead of our platform right now, but you know what? You guys seem like nice people. So <laughs> we're actually going to release a couple of things. Um, you're the first. This is fresh off the presses. Well, you know what, um, as you know, I, look, I, I, I'm an open book. I'm a straight shooter. You may not like the answer that you get from me, but it will be consistent before and after the election um, to immediately address the housing shortage issue in Vancouver and create real units that are affordable for individuals. We are going to be proposing that every house uh, in Vancouver can actually have two secondary units right away we'll also fast track the permitting process so anything that we can fast track to help people build or renovate their homes to pr uh, provide more units we will do that um, we're also looking at building uh, from a medium and long-term solution building rental accommodation on city-owned land we have an amazing asset there um, in all the land that we own as a city let's use it let's use it to house our people that's super important you said that you would fast track the planning process and permitting process, sorry, the permitting process. But I was wondering how you you might actually go about doing that, given the kind of malaise that has taken over the planning office in in recent years. Do you have a, a plan for how you would make permits faster to come by? Yeah, well, that's a great question. It is multifaceted and everyone else is going to say that as well. Right. Yeah. Every single candidate you bring in here is going to talk about how to speed up the process of uh, issuing permits. I think the big difference is I'm a bit of a management workflow geek. Um, I I don't know if you know anything about. <laughs> Look, I, I I'm just a, I I'm just a straight shooter. Uh, so if you know anything about the Toyota production management systems or lean manufacturing, I'm a lean certified black belt. I've gone to I go to twenty to thirty companies around the world looking at their workflow so i've i've seen i've been to nagoya and seen how they build cars at toyota and mitsubishi and and honda i've been to fedex in memphis and seen how they deliver packages i've been to tesla in san francisco google apple so i i'm a workflow guy there are a lot of things we can do from a workflow perspective i want to circle back just once more to housing a lot of people have talked about it as a crisis would you agree with that definition yeah if if you can't afford to live in vancouver it's a crisis and so i just go back to my personal experiences when we we're growing up right when you don't know where you're going to live it doesn't matter what's going on all around you you don't know where you're going to live imagine having a couple of kids and you're scrambling and you're thinking of schools you're thinking of how you're going to commute to work um, you're thinking you're up at night in the morning it's all consuming so for people that don't have housing options it is a crisis and there are a lot of people that don't have housing options so it it will be the number one issue during this election well the housing crisis isn't the only crisis that is confronting vancouver at the moment a opioid crisis has been wrecking havoc on 
people from all walks of life uh, across the city. And I was wondering what your MPA would plan to do about the opioid crisis. That's a great question. And I like how you said it, you know, it affects all people from all walks of life. I'm deeply passionate about this issue, um, even before the election. So if you Google my name, um, you know, the Georgia Strait did an article on um, me and it mentioned it maybe six or seven years ago. I've known at le- of at least three people that have ended up in the downtown east side. And I know this is a, a broader issue, but I'm, I'm just trying to, um, to um, sort of give you a story as to why I'm passionate about it. I can tell you, I bet you every single person in the city knows people that ended up in the downtown east side. Because guess what? We all went to school with people and you lose touch with some people and they end up uh, down there. Uh, I think it's important to note that most people don't know this, but over a million dollars goes into the downtown east side every single day. And that's a conservative number. I've heard numbers uh, in upwards of a billion dollars a year. So it's not a lack of financial resources. That's the issue. We also have over 200 community groups that are working in the downtown east side with really bright people um, who care. Um, So it's not a lack of bright people. I think it's a lack of political courage um, and coordination that is... uh, you know, stopping us from making some real progress um, on the downtown east side, but also our opioid crisis and our addiction um, and mental health uh, issues as well. And as mayor of Vancouver, um, I will be focused on that. Um, I already go down to the downtown east side three or four times a year. We've never mentioned that in public because it was never a marketing initiative. Uh, We go down with other families and my family and we give out bagels, bananas, socks, feminine hygiene products. But the biggest thing we give out there is identity. So we actually talk to residents there and we hear their stories. And I, I highly suggest people go down there and do that as well. As mayor of Vancouver, I'm committing to being in the downtown east side at least a day, a month. So this is on record. Also, I will be thinking about the downtown east side continuously during my time as mayor. We uh, will be, uh, we've already started to assemble a council to help us address the challenges um, in the downtown east side, but also with opioid, the opioid crisis and mental health. And uh, once we have the ideas um, and the recommendations on what we um, should be doing, I will have the political courage to start to implement the ideas if I agree with them. Um, and you have my word on that because it's really political courage. I'm going to be carrying myself as mayor, not looking to get reelected. I will be acting in a way where I'm not afraid to get fired. And that way we can actually have some serious, um, you know, we can have more of an impact on challenges that are facing us. Like I said, the people I've spoken to in Vancouver, they're tired of politicians playing politics. They want someone who will actually come in and start to affect change. And I want to be that change agent. Vancouver's done a lot in the last couple of years on reconciliation and trying to and recognize the contribution of Indigenous people to this place. What would be the Ken Sim approach as mayor to furthering reconciliation goals? Yeah, I think we should reconcile. You know, it's uh, at the end of the day, I, I put myself in the situation, you know, and it's not just First Nations. If you look at the, the Chinese community or the Indo-Canadian community, there are similar things and it, the list goes on and on. Um, 
but yeah, let's, let's be super inclusive and let's, you know, highlight what has happened in our communities, uh, the wrongs that were done and let's reconcile. I, I look at residential schools, for example, and what happened in our first nations communities, how kids were taken away from their parents and they lost their heritage. They lost their identity. They, they were forced to speak language. And then the atrocities that happened, um, when they're at the, those schools, absolutely brutal. It gives me goosebumps because if someone, you know, took my kids away and did that, it would be absolutely horrifying. And we should, it, it's already been highlighted, but we should never forget what happened and we should talk about it because if we don't guess what people will forget and i think that sets a very dangerous precedent so what does that look like from a city's perspective then like i I think that you know i agree with you that reconciliation is definitely good and something that we should do do you have any ideas as to specific actions that the city could take in order to further that goal well, I, I'm not an expert um, in reconciliation per se, and so what we would do is we'd talk to our First Nation leaders um, to ask, you know, what you know, what can we do as a city to promote further reconciliation? Have the conversation. Well, we've covered a ton of politics, but maybe let's turn back to you personally and Uh-oh. do a quick little <laughs> lightning round of some fun things. The the tough part. Yeah. The yeah, you questions. were saying before you were very nervous about this section, but I think everyone does great. Don't worry. All right. First up, what are your favorite hobbies outside of politics? What are the things that you do when you have a weekend? Well, it's been so long since I've had a weekend now. Um, I'm looking forward to another one. I love hanging out with my family. I have four boys. Um, we go out, you know, we play, we go for bike rides. You know, we, you know, we ski during ski season. We just, we just have fun. I, I love live music as well. Well, that, that actually brings us to our next question. Who is your favorite band or musical artist to come out of Vancouver? I have a bunch. Uh, and I'm going to date myself here. So I, I don't know who's come out of here in the last six months, but my sons do. Uh, I, I love Loverboy. I can't believe I'm going to say Brian Adams. <laughs> Barney Bentall, The Headpins, Chilliwack. You know, there were some great bands that came out of Vancouver. I don't know if you want this on the record, but you were saying before the podcast something about a more casual approach to City Hall that might be relevant here. <laughs> we can cut this if you don't. But. No, let, let, let's put it out there. It's, it's not so much a casual approach because I think we have to be very respectful of the office of mayor and council. And it's a serious job. Uh, a couple of things that, uh, if you know anything about me, I, I believe that I'm just one of the many. And so the first thing I will do as mayor of Vancouver is uh, I, I've seen that the mayor's chair is a little elevated above all the other councillors. We're going to chop the legs off of that chair and <laughs> that desk. We're going to, everyone's going to be at the same level. The second thing is, you know, um, I believe in people showing up how they show up. And most people in Vancouver, including myself, jeans and t-shirts, you know, that's, that's who we are. That's what Vancouver is. And I do plan to wear my cleanest Judas Priest t-shirt at some point in time in city council. Um, because I, I think, uh, you know, first of all, um, it's kind of cool. But the second part of it is I don't, while I have respect for the office of mayor, 
I don't think the mayor should be above anyone else. And wearing a suit is intimidating for certain people. And let's make the office accessible to everyone. Well, one of the things they may have been doing on their phones is voting on Vancouver's unofficial ambassador, the CBC (laughs) poll and bracket that Justin McElroy ran. I don't know if you saw it, but Canuck the Crow won. Would you have picked Canuck the Crow or do you think there's a better emblem and ambassador for the city? Crow or no? Crow or no? Well, if I gave it a lot of thought, I could probably come up with quite a few. Uh, I think a Johnny Canuck, you know, the lumberjack. That would be a great example. There's some cool people that have come out of the city, but I don't know if, you know, you, you know, Ryan Reynolds or Seth Rogen, do you make them an emblem of the city? I don't know about that, but uh, they're definitely uh, cheerleaders for the city. So we, we should be celebrating that as well. So Vancouver is a changing city and there have been a bunch of venues, locations that have been lost over the years. And I was wondering what is the one that you miss the most? Well, if I give it a lot of thought, I'd probably think of about five or six. But uh, given the fact that I'm going to the PE tonight and I'm actually going to see the village people, <laughs> it reminds me of the gondola that used to be at the PE. And as little kids, we, you know, you could be six or seven, they would actually let us on the gondola without adult supervision (laughs) and so you'd get on the gondola where the now it used to be a little eatery but now it's the white spot and it would take you from there all the way to the showmart buildings right by the um uh the coliseum Uh, i miss that (laughs) you should and if you pull up some pictures you'll know what i'm talking about well and the last question in this section is what is your favorite park in the city of vancouver favorite park besides stanley park i mean it's a classic yeah stanley park's a classic I mean, it's like being asked what your favorite ice cream is and saying, yeah, vanilla. Yeah. (laughs) There are a lot of parks in the city. Um, There was one that I went to recently, and it wasn't because it was my favorite park. It had my favorite name. I think it it was called Chill Park. Dude Chilling Park. Dude Chilling Park. There you go. It's like, wow, that's cool. What what did it used to be called? It's still called Guelph Park. But okay. it is now labeled on the maps as Dude Chilling Park because there is an art installation out front. Yeah. And the, the sign actually says Dude Chilling Park. The eponymous dude is not there at the moment. He is away for repairs. Okay. Well, and finally, we finish off every episode of Canby Report with a piece of Vancouverada, a little trivia that people may not know about the city. You were telling me before we were recording about your personal connection to the spot we're actually recording on. Yeah, um, I guess it was the old Carling O'Keefe Brewery. And this was probably, this would have been in the 70s. My brother worked at the uh, the brewery. And so I remember my dad, uh, we'd, we'd all hop in the Volkswagen van as a family. And my dad would be driving us to school and what have you. And he would drop my brother off to work right here. Probably like literally right below where we're sitting. And for rough estimation for people, because I'm not going to give people my exact address, but about 12th and Vine (laughs) in Kitsilano. There used to be a nice little brewery here. Yep. Well, Ken, thank you so much for sitting down with us. It's been a real pleasure to talk with you today. Where can people find out more about you, your campaign, and the MPA? If they hit our website at mpavancouver.ca, or if they Google NPA or Ken Sim, that's K-E-N-S-I-M, 
they can find out more about myself and the party. Thank you so much for taking time out of your weekend to speak with us. Thank you very much for having me. Thank you. Thank you.